Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a books 
bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Sonali Dave is the author of Lies and Other Love Languages, a novel. Sonali's first literary work was a play about mistaken identities performed at her neighborhood Diwali extravaganza in Mumbai. She was eight years old. Despite this early success, she spent the next few decades getting degrees in architecture and writing, migrating across the globe and starting a family while writing for magazines and websites. With the advent of her first gray hair, her mad love for telling stories returned full force, and she now combines it with her insights into Indian culture to conjure up stories that make a mad tangle with her life as a supermom, domestic goddess, and world traveler. Sonali lives in the Chicago suburbs with her very patient and often amused husband and two teens who demand both patience and humor and the world's most perfect dog. Her novels have been on Library Journal, NPR, Washington Post, and Kirkus's Best Books of the Year lists. She has won the American Library Association's Award for Best Romance, the RT Reviewer Choice Award for Best Contemporary Romance, multiple RT Seals of Excellence, is a Rita finalist, and has been listed for the Dublin Literary Award. Shelf Awareness calls her not only one of the best, but one of the bravest romance novelists working today. She has been on this podcast at least one other time. And the interesting news, well, I guess you can just hear it in the episode, which major celebrity is now behind Sonali's success. Welcome, Sonali. Thank you for coming back on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, this time to discuss lies and other love languages. You're writing books so fast, I like cannot keep up. <laughs> Thank you, Am I? I think that's like, this is what I do full time. This is what I do 24-7. So, and there's so many stories in there in a short life. So they've all got to come out, right? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for having me. It's always such a pleasure to be here and, you know, to watch everything you're doing for publishing for women, for moms. So thank you. I am so glad to be here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Tell listeners about lies and other love languages. Uh, so I think it's, I, I was actually just, I'm staying with my nephew right now, who's, you know, 26. And I was telling him it's, it's probably my most adult book. And I don't mean that in, in, in a way that the word is usually used, but so in the, the simplest way for me to describe it based on where it came from was it's, it's a love letter to female friendships. Mm -hmm. So it's the story of these two women who are best friends and, um, and we know how our friendships are. So, you know, I mean, I always think my girlfriends are my soulmates, really, you know, my husband is my husband and I love him dearly, but my, <laughs> my soulmates, uh, you know, because the ones who see everything without translation, like that kind of connection, and who've seen me since I was, you know, five and 10 and 12 are my girlfriends. And it is, it's a story of how these two girls um, become friends when they're 12, which is a very vulnerable age. And, you know, growing up in one of them is growing up in LA, you know, the only South Asian girl in her class. And then this, this girl who's had a horrific uh, childhood in India moves to LA, and they meet under, you know, under circumstances which are kind of tragic but uh, it changes their lives and who they become and so it's that kind of friendship and then we meet them 27 years after their friendship has broken up so it is about what happens to us when we lose our uh, you know female friendships that define us and it, it happens over motherhood it happens over a, you know a, a surrogacy arrangement and so it's a story I think of like marriage and friendship and you know yeah and and the way that 
everything breaks down is a DNA test, which is another thing in our world right now, which is, you know, blowing stuff up that didn't blow up before. <laughs> so there you have it. So true. But it's also, you know, about motherhood and caretaking and fear. I mean, you start the whole book with, yeah. you know, the, the anxiety that is so pervasive right now in so many different contexts of yes. what yes. happens. What if we can't find the one we love? What if, what if an ordinary afternoon is something much more heavy and, you know, fortunately it's resolved quickly, but still, I mean, that, that not knowing and no matter how good your life is or how successful you are, like Vandy, you know, it doesn't matter. None of it really matters if, if the person you care about the most is having something major go on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, loss, right? I think every, it's, it's really interesting. I like to say that everything in, in the world we do and everything that can solve all problems and cause all problems is love. But really how that I think operates in the world is through fear mm. and fear of loss, because with it is almost impossible to love without fear of loss, right? Like the yes. true enlightenment, I think, where we're all kind of trying to work toward is being able to love without the fear of loss. And I think every problem in the world today exists because the fear of losing what is yours, right? Like we've been taught that that is, and, and then we've also been taught that, you know, whether it is, our loved ones or land or whatever, right? To love is to fight for it not being lost, right? So so this, this book kicks off with a mother kind of not having any idea where her 27-year-old daughter, who she's very close to and talk, you know, texts and talks to like five times a day, hasn't been answering her text, didn't come to pick her up at the airport. So so it's, you know, it, it's uh, for their relationship, it's kind of she has no idea where she is. And, you know, she's lost her husband and the girl has lost her father about a year ago. So they're still kind of in that relying on each other and yet not grief phase. And mm-hmm. so so it, it kicks off with this mother not knowing where her child is, essentially. And and, and I think that that's a, a, the fear of, again, losing someone who, again, we love beyond reason, right, mm-hmm. which is a thing. And then I think a lot of it also is is defining motherhood. What does it mean, right? Mm-hmm. And why why do we feel the need to be defined by it? Because, you know, I'm, everybody is, we're surrounded by women who feel the need to reinforce every, you know, every five minutes in a conversation, oh, my children come first, oh, my children come first, which may be true, but the thing is society also defines us by, you know, how we are as mother. And then what happens to all the women who aren't interested in that role? Are you less of a woman? Like, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? So a lot of those things, because between these two friends, you know, one has always known, like that is her, you know, and I can completely understand that because I, you know, and I think from everything I know of you, you can totally understand that, right? It's a definitive part of who we always wanted to be, who we've become, it has given us so much power uh, to be ourselves and all of that, right? And so one of them is that I know how to do this. I'm going to do this. And this is going to, you know, allow me to be my best human self, motherhood. And the other one has, you know, had the kind of mother and the kind of life where she thinks bringing a child into this world is an impossibility for her. She's never going to do it. So these are these two friends. And, uh, you know, and and I think that kind of explains the spectrum of women and both are, you know, there's in terms of humanity, no nobody is less or more or anything, right? It is, it's it's whatever our life experiences, our natural nature, and you know what we've been taught about ourselves. So it it's that when you're taught, you can only be complete doing an X thing, and if the X thing doesn't happen, what then, right? And if you've always said I'm never having children, and a situation comes when 
you know, for someone who means everything to you to have what they want, will mm-hmm. you do that? So, so funny story is, I think where the seed of this story came from was when a friend of mine, you know, one of my, you know, soulmate friends who I love dearly, dearly, was kind of told that it's probably not going to happen for her. And we were having a conversation of whether, you know, whether I would, I had had two children at that point. I actually loved being pregnant and, you know, labor and delivery. People hate me for, you know, (laughs) but I did. It was no judgment. The best experience of my life. You know, motherhood is different, but the delivery and labor (laughs) was, but, but so it was a conversation we actually had, like, how far would you go? What would that involve to carry a child? Uh, that is not yours and you know what are those because I would obviously know this child for the rest of my life because this is you know so that was a conversation where this really actually story started from wow I was wondering where it came from you have like no there are no limits to your ideas here Um, you know you you mentioned that this is a more adult story I was sort of struck by the voice of Vandy's daughter what is her name Mika no Mika yes yes Malika Mika is what she calls her Mika the way that Mika wrote was not you know there was a huge discrepancy with voice right her voice was a much younger voice in fact almost younger than you would think a 27 year old would be writing right so speak a little bit about that and how you defined her voice versus her mom's voice versus her friend you know all of that yeah so it's this this book is written in alternating alternating POVs between these three women you know and two of them are uh, what 55 you know 57 and one of them is 27 and uh, and and I am surrounded by you know 20 somethings my kids are in their 20s you know my my friends kids who are like kids to me are you know that age and I think that there is a so, so this is what I hear right also, I think um, Mika's character particularly is a character who's been protected. So the other thing I think I was exploring in this, you know, as a mother who is, you know, uh, who's, I, I don't want to, as a mother who has done, you know, well at something or is publicly visible, my children have had to, you know, ride with that, ride on that bus since they were in, you know, elementary school where, you know, their their friends pet parents read my book and, you know, things like that. So a little bit of, um, I mean, they're not quite Taylor Swift's kids, but you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> they, they have lived in that, you know, and so I think when you grow up, I had successful parents. So I think like being the child of a successful parent and what that comes with and, and Malika's parents are, her mother is uh, an internationally best-selling author. She's a self-help guru. She's an advice columnist who millions and millions of people, millions of people around the world listen to, you know, for life advice. So she's, you know, this, this public figure who is what everyone's aspiring to. And her father has written, you know, 20 plus books. So, so extremely successful parents. And the sense of I will never be good enough that she carries because of it. Also, in a larger context, there's this whole, uh, you know, certain immigrant communities and how much they value academic success and professional success and how much pressure there is to succeed in that way and how much importance is given to that, right? I mean, I have a 22-year-old and a 24-year-old and everyone around them is constantly talking about how someone else went to XYZ school, is working for XYZ company, you know, things like that. So that's even as a parent if you try not to not to overtly you know pressure in that way the world they live in is that so i think mika's world is very much that very successful cousins very successful parents all of that so she is 
a little bit, I think, in terms of voice, stunted, in mm-hmm. terms of confidence, how how ready she feels for the world. And I think the story is her finding that piece. Because, you know, I mean, she's uh, she's spectacular in every way, you know. Everybody is, every child is, uh, put, you know, has uh, the potential for that. And what she doesn't know is the story of her mother, you know, and how hard she struggled to come into herself. Because what she sees of her mother, as our kids often do, is us on the other side of this journey, right? And they don't see us in that same where they are, which is, you know, feeling completely lost and adrift. And so I think that's why, uh, to me, Mika's voice was, you know, very much a reflection of a person who doesn't know herself yet, who feels afraid that she's never going to be good enough. So I think that's kind of where she was. And of course, you know, Vandy and uh, Rani, we get to see from when they are 12 to growing up. So we watch them as the book unfolds, kind of come into themselves. And uh, and Malika go the opposite way also, right? Where she's she kind of meets up, you know, with her herself and who she's going Do to. You be. miss these characters? Yeah. Oh my gosh! I was <laughs> just, uh, you know, I, people ask me all the time, which is your favorite book? And I was, you know, someone was asking me yesterday, and I'm like, the thing you have to understand is that these are not characters to me, right? These are real people who live in my head, like real, like it's. I think I, I was reading um, about the neuroscience behind this. And I, I think even as readers, we don't know the difference. Mm. We don't, you know, this is why we can cry, uh, you know, in such a heartbroken way at the pain of people on the page uh, or the screen is because our brain doesn't know the difference between, you know, a made up, a fictitious thing and a real thing <laughs> between lies, uh, you know, and uh, and truth. And I think for writers even more so, I just, um, you know, finished the book that will come out in 24 or 25. And man, like I, every night I'm dreaming. And so I have to give myself that time for like, you know, to actually work them out of my system in a way of being so present uh, all the time. And the the ironic thing is when I'm, you know, when we're talking about lies and other love languages in my brain is the next book, which will come out next year. Okay. Tell me about that. And- <laughs> Tell me, I know you're like, I'm even over these characters. Let me just. I'm not, I'm so not over them. I'm kind of, I mean, if you talk to me about my first book, I, they're still like immediately, like physically alive in my brain. So I don't know how that's going to end for me. I will, you know, I I don't know. We should do some research on author brains at, you know, toward the end of life and how so many, you know, created reality is sitting in your head. What that, you know, what that means for Uh you. I, you know, I know some authors in their 70s and they seem mentally still very much present. And so I have hope that it's not going to short circuit my brain, but sometimes it feels like it's going to. Interesting. But but the the uh, the next book that I just finished is, I mean, I don't know if I can talk about it, but it's it's the story of this young woman who has gone off to New York City for her engagement moon by herself because her orthopedic surgeon fiancé who is the catch of brown town, so to speak. So it's this whole, again, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's set in Naperville where I live, which has a very vibrant, uh, incredibly successful and very large South Asian American community. And of course that comes with, you know, all of the the gossip and the aspiration and all that. And so she is, she's grown up in that. She's kind of come in from the fringes because her family rose from poverty, which is not a normal, you know, thing for that community. 
and she goes off on her uh, engagement moon by herself because he has to he's had to reschedule three times and then she's like i'm just and she's never left naperville and so she shows up in new york and when she's here she finds a ring you know on the pavement when she drops something and then she kind of gets obsessed with finding the owner of the ring and then it is this whole unraveling and traveling across you know traveling from here to india traveling across kind of time and space and finding out uh, who that ring and a twin ring belonged to. Mm. Love it. Well, that sounds great too. My goodness. <laughs> Thank you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. And then are you already drumming up ideas for the book after that? <laughs> I always have, you know, uh, I think far too many ideas sitting in my um, head. But at that point, something has to, like, for it to really come up, something has to be bothering me or something has to kind of, you know, stick in my, uh, at, at that moment in time, I think. And in terms of zeitgeist, something has to become really important. So I don't know yet. It's it's often, I think, things that we deal with as women, as, you know, daughters, wives, that sort of thing. So I'm kind of, yeah, I have a few ideas, but 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 I'm 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 waiting to see what's truly enraging me or amusing me <laughs> right now. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. And how is it going with your partnership with Mindy Kaling? Ah, it's so well, partnership is a stretch I would live I would love for uh you know Mindy, <laughs> Mindy to be my partner in any way she wants uh but she's so the so the vibrant years which was the book um that came out last year uh was launched Mindy's publishing imprint which was Mindy's book studio and you know it's been optioned for a film 
uh, with her and uh, Amazon Studios. So I'm very excited. You know, everything with filming, you know, was uh, an yay uh, for the writer's <laughs> strike. But but so we're waiting to see where it goes. I am incredibly hopeful, but uh, we'll see, you know, how all of that works. But I'm, I'm so excited, uh, you know, I'm hoping that it happens. So I think that's that's the next step in our uh, partnership, so to speak. <laughs> I would but call it a partnership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she's, I mean, you know, I, I think just just what she has done, uh, I think, for creators of color um, in terms of visibility, in terms of opportunity and how much she has used that platform. And it's not, in, she's not, it's not overnight, you know, for like 20 or 30 years, she's been working to get to a place where, you know, you know, she can kind of take us into, uh, you know, into the spotlight a little bit more than we've ever been afforded. And so I think, yeah, I mean, it's just even to just be associated with her or in her presence for me, particularly is very special. Because as an artist, and as a writer, I'm, um, you know, absolutely in awe the range of the kind of writing she's done, starting from The Office to, you know, to the film with Emma Thompson to Sex Life of College Girls and Mindy Project and Never Have Ever, like the range of uh, various voices, you know, uh, that that she's, you know, and because it is not, we're not a monolith. And um, there's just so much to show. And we have, haven't had the opportunity up until now. And so, you know, she's, I always say we're at the, the front of the battering ram, <laughs> a few of us, you know, because uh, we're while breaking down those walls or that glass ceiling or whatever. So she's just the talent itself, everything else aside, like the sheer, uh, her sheer talent as a writer, I think is the single most important thing for me to be kind of admired or to be selected, uh, you know, by someone whose work you admire, I think is incredibly special. You know, everybody has, a lot of people have platforms and have megaphones now, but but when someone's work makes you, you know, like tremble on the inside and laugh out loud and kind of just come into yourself, I think it's really special to get to work with people like that. Amazing. Yeah. You have to be inspired, right? I mean, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so, so it's so inspiring. Just, I think hard work is incredibly inspiring. Talent is incredibly inspiring. And those two things together and, you know, whatever fortune shines up on us, it's always a combination of all those things. And, you know, to be in the presence of that, I think is incredibly uh, inspiring. And Sonali, when you're not writing a million books and annotating <laughs> 22-year-olds in your home or neighborhood, <laughs> what are you doing and what are you reading and what else are you excited about in life these days? Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, I think being excited in life these days is hard work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? True, true. Um, and yeah, but that's a whole other conversation. So, you know, I, we travel a whole lot. I think seeing the world, uh, the more of the world you see, uh, again, I think the more you put yourself in a place where you can understand it better and better. And until we start understanding each other and the world, I think that it's going to get, you know, the only way to solve it is love, like I said, right? Because that, and and you can't, you know, you can love a thing more when you're exposed to it and you understand it and, you know, you see how it's all one thing. So we travel every opportunity I'm given, you know, and I've kind of been fortunate because my husband travels for work and he's literally like, I have to go to Sweden for a week and I'll look up tickets and I'm like, oh, I think I can do that. And, um, <laughs> you know, and take off. And, you know, we don't, we're not, I think we're very blessed in the fact that we don't 
we're not planners. I can show up in a place and I'm like, oh, where does the subway go and kind of go? <laughs> and uh, and so seeing the world, I think, is, is an incredibly important thing for me. So we travel a lot. We're lucky enough and privileged enough to be able to do that. I... Uh, Cooking, I think, puts me, you know, together. I think the last time uh, we talked, uh, you had said, you know, Kai was, someone was making chana, one of our husbands was making chana masala or something. So I think that, you know, just gathering over food, being someone, you know, who is an immigrant um, to America and has literally, you know, we, we build a world from scratch, you know, uh, which is everybody does, but in 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 terms of community, you create family, you know, when you do that. And I think so much of that for me, my vehicle has been food, you know, to just have, now I have grown children and we will have the, their friends. I think the, the way to get to know people is to get them talking and food is a really good way to, uh, you know, loosen tongues, and <laughs> full belly, and so, so I think cooking and and things, and of course, uh, you know, if I, I I'm I'm a master binger when my brain is ready for that, I you know, so so watching good storytelling stories always, you know, are I have I found recently when I was reading, I found some a, a really interesting thing, and this has been interesting for me personally because I grew up in India and I've you know my most of my adult life has been here, so so there are these two. A, a few love stories and I couldn't even like these rom-coms that I read that are set in India. So they're set in New Delhi, but they're incredibly contemporary and universal. And, you know, we always joke about how immigrants get stuck in their country the year that they, you know, so technically I should be stuck in 1996. But again, we're, you know, lucky that we get to go back so much. So it's not as bad as I think it used to be and with with how global the world is. But these books are just so current and so off this time. And I think, again, I write Indian American books, you know, and I was saying we're not a mon monolith and there's like so many different experiences just within that, right? And so to read a book that is so urbane and urban and kind of, you know, progressive in its thinking and yet tied to tradition that is set in the place I grew up in and so highly romantic and uh, fun. So it's been, um, they, they, completely blew my mind you know to, and, and younger authors so kind of their context growing up about being Indian is also so much more forcefully you know owning their asking for you know my generation was like it was a fight we will have independence we're going to do this and it's so much more natural for these you know these younger authors and I am I love it so I'll tell you which what the names of the two books were one is called Oh my gosh, never meant to stay. And it's set in New Delhi, in contemporary New Delhi. You know, this diplomat's daughter who has to stay with this family and, you know, how, how she finds family finally. And she also kind of helps them find a lost piece of them through grief. And it's really lovely and hilarious. And it's called Never Meant to Stay. And the author is Trisha Das. So if, you know, that's that's the other one. I don't know when it's coming out. It's called All That Sizzles, also set in New Delhi. And I'm from Bombay and we have like, a, you know, Bombay and Delhi people have beef. <laughs> <laughs> I say that, you know, it's but but I have loved these two books. It's they've been fabulous. Amazing. OK, last question. Advice to aspiring <laughs> authors. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, the thing everybody says perseverance is the only thing that matters, right? You can come out the gate raging and be, you know, huge. If publishing is anything, it's inconsistent. And there will be 
highs, there will be lows. Uh, if you're stuck in a long low, then the only way to get out for the high to come is to just hang in there and continuously try to, you know, better your craft and better yourself. And and I think you have to love your own work. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a thing that we are discouraged from in culture because, you know, humility and all of that, while it's important, being, you know, if I go out and say, oh my God, my books are the best books and I absolutely love it. It, it, the tendency of the world is to discount me instantly as a, you know, as somebody who's a braggart. So I don't mean that, but I mean actually truly loving the work you put on the page and mm-hmm. constantly aspiring to make it better, but but coming at it from a place of love. It is okay to say, I love my work. It's okay to own that fully. And I think that that, that journey is parallel with the journey of staying because so long as you believe what you're putting out in the world is important, mm-hmm. which you have to believe, then you're not going to leave. You, you don't abandon important things. So I think your perseverance should come from a place of believing that the world needs to hear what you have to say, uh, you know, rather than exhaustion, which is like, I just have to hang in there because I've spent 10 years, you know, the marriage analogy, which is like, you know, you you don't stay in a marriage because you've put investment into it. You, you know, you stay in a marriage because you've put investment into it for a reason. And the reason has to be the marriage itself. Right. So it's like that. Love your own work is what I'll say. Do the work to do that. Do the work to be able to say that and then hang in there. <laughs> Or it's a sunk cost and you just have to move forward. <laughs> well, know. there is, there is, that. that's what I'm saying. So when the, when the love itself, when you work through it and sometimes, and that is totally okay too, right? I mean, uh, if you're done with that and you've done all you can and you no longer feel the love, then the honesty takes is fabulous. You know, it's the best gift you can give yourself, but it's so long as you love it, mm-hmm. hang in there. <laughs> Amazing. I don't even know if we're talking about marriage or writing anymore, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Same thing. All love is equal, right? Exactly. Uh, Sonali, thank you so much. Congratulations again. Lies and other love languages. Keep going. Can't wait to see the next one. And yeah, thank you. Happy cooking. Be be well, be well. And, you know, same. Keep doing the wonderful work you're doing. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.